Okay, so I'm Richard Crow, and I'm glad to be here. And uh, I'm going to tell you about a couple of characters that you may not have heard of. Anybody ever heard of these characters before? Well, there's a, we've got them hanging on the wall back there. That's uh, Anna on the left. She's uh, about eight feet tall, was about eight feet tall. Yeah, and he, I, I didn't have his head painted because I wanted to stand behind him and, and talk. But I got some cancer in my leg, so I, I don't get to do that anymore. But he was about seven, six, I guess. And uh, at the time that he was advertised as the tallest man in the world, she is still the tallest woman in the world. And together, they're the tallest couple in the world, according to Guinness. Uh, uh, so... They're an, interesting, they're an interesting couple. Let me tell you what I can about them. Uh, you see where Letcher County is way down there, um, right over Virginia and West Virginia and Kentucky sort of come together. He was born in 1837, and um, this was really the wild frontier, you know, back in those days. You got to remember the Louisiana Purchase hadn't been made yet. Country ended at the Mississippi River, and... Um, so Kentucky and Tennessee was the Wild West. It was the Far West. And uh, he, uh, uh, as I said, was born in 1837. He was the last child uh, of, of his parents, and they were all of normal size. And when he was born, he was normal size. And he was for seven years. And, uh, and when he turned seven, uh, a, a lot of things happened. 1837 was the start of the panic of 1837. Uh, Andrew Jackson was the president, and he had, you know, he'd, he'd run the Indians from the east uh, Oklahoma. He'd uh, won the Battle of New Orleans after the War of 1812 was over, and he closed the Second Bank of the United States, which caused a lot of disruptive activity. You know, businesses closing down and uh, bad currency and all that sort of thing. Actually, the current president's term has been, you know, has been imaged by, uh, by Jackson's in some people's mind. But at any rate, he was, uh, he was disruptive, uh, you know, as a president. But the uh, people in the East, uh, the people in Eastern Kentucky and, and Eastern Tennessee liked him because the, his business practices, his banking practices made loans possible for them to borrow money, buy land, and then sell it to the suckers. I mean, the travelers coming from back east. They need more land. So this was a good thing for them. The little boy uh, was born of normal size. And like I say, seven years later, his father died. The panic of 1837 ended, and he started growing. For the next 22 years, he grew. So it was some kind of... Uh, you know, uh, yeah, some kind of, uh, what do I want to say, um, uh, glandular condition. So that nobody in the family was big except, except them, except him. And this is Martin Van Buren Bates, who he was named after. Uh, Jackson was just leaving office, and his, this was his vice president, and he was coming on board. And uh, the giant's father hoped that he'd have the same land deals and so forth, but as I say, he, he, he passed away, so that kind of ended the, the trading. Now this is his sister on the 
left and uh, her husband and uh, he has a famous nephew the nephew's name is bad john wright and bad john uh, fought on both sides during the civil war he uh, he was a, a good guy and a bad guy he was in the feuds he, he did all kinds of things but one of the things that he did is that he had uh, 34 children all named Wright by six different women so the way I got interested in these folks was I was teaching at uh, Hazard Community College and uh, I kept having students over the years that would say I was related to bad John Wright and after a while I said how could anybody have this many you know relatives so I started digging into the story and uh, and the story went deeper and deeper and deeper and then found out about his uncle and him being a giant and all that sort of thing so uh there's still there on the, on their website i think there's uh 1200 or 1800 family members that are signed up on their website that keep up with each other and are really proud of their of their relatives okay this is this is the giant and he's sitting uh, that's his brother sitting beside him there so you can just see the difference you know two family members uh and you can see that uh, if you look at the giant's clothing, that's, uh, those, those aren't poverty rags. He made a lot of money after the Civil War. And I'll tell you about that in just a second. But he started out when he was uh, 16, he started out as a school teacher in a one-room school. Uh, and this is kind of uh, the school that he would be at. So he had to get there early, fire up the stove, and you can see how small the desks are and all that sort of thing. And he had to get in there and try to move up and down those aisles. And they, the kids said he was, you know, a great teacher. It may have been that they were just scared of him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if he started yelling at them and came running after him, you know, they, they came right back. There was no problem with that. And this is a uh, full-size statue of him that stands in the Whitesburg uh, Library in the front window. It's made out of paper mache, and they want to build a copper one uh, out of that for a, a museum. There's a museum in uh, Ohio where they lived up around Cleveland and there's a museum in Nova Scotia where she's from and they just bought the made the final land payment for a museum in, in Jenkins and Whitesburg. So hopefully they want to you know add this. Now here's a guy who's six foot three and 280 pounds and you can see uh, we got him up off the floor, so he's standing just short of, you know, the giant's neck. Uh, and that's just how big he was. He's a big man. One of the things that he did when he uh, got through teaching uh, was the Civil War came along. You know, Abraham Lincoln was born in Kentucky and raised in Indiana and became a rich lawyer in Illinois. Um, and... And so when, the, when, uh, when uh, Lincoln uh, became the president in 1860, that's when 11 states in the South seceded and start, was the start of the Civil War. One of the battles was near Prestonsburg called the Battle of uh, Middle Creek. And uh, you can see up there that uh, uh, James A. Garfield was the uh, commander of the, uh, the Yankee uh, side. And so... The giant uh, is uh, in a battle here with a future president. 
later he meets him and uh you know re they rekindled old uh old days and of, of the war and so forth and this is uh this is uh, uh his release from uh the war uh he 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 joined uh he joined the uh uh infantry and um signed up for a year and then he quickly went to the cavalry because he wanted to ride a horse. <laughs> he didn't want to walk. That's, you know, a lot of walking in those days. But this is uh, the release that's signed by his commanding officer and by uh, John Hunt Morgan, who was ultimately the commanding officer. And that horseshoe over there in the wall is uh, from a horse that's raised on, on his old farm in Ohio. That's an 18 hand high horse. He had to have that, that big a horse to, you know, to carry him. So I was up, I was up at, the, at the farm uh, just after the World Series and spoke at a fundraiser at their museum. Uh, and they're still raising those size horses on the original farm. So the guy just dusted one off and gave it to me, told me he wouldn't charge me for the extra stuff that was on it. And this is uh, a picture of a, a ring that uh, he uh, wore. And uh, here is uh, an actual size of it. And this is uh, this actual hand and foot. Okay. That's a size, that's a size 20 uh, boot. And uh, he used to show people his boot and he would take a half of a uh, a bushel of corn and fill up the boot and uh, it would take it all just to show the size of the thing. So he was, he was a big man. That's the point I'm trying to get across. He was a big man. <laughs> you got it? Okay. Now his wife to be worked for P.T. Barnum who had a Emporium Circus kind of thing in uh, New York City just off Broadway. And uh, she, like I say, that's her back there. He uh, found her in Nova Scotia, and he begged uh, his, her father to let her come to New York and work for him and appear in his, uh, his circus. And the father said, no, no way, that sort of thing. And finally, he kept after him, and he agreed to pay the old man uh, $23 a week in gold, solid gold, and the mother could come to New York with him. So he agreed that she could come if she could come home three times a year and that he would educate her. So she had, you know, individual lessons, piano, singing, all that kind of stuff, three times a week. And uh, she, she sent, you know, money home. I'll show you a picture here in a second of them. This How is... How much younger was she? Um, they were about the same age, but she died younger than he did, yeah. Couple, couple years difference, but not much. This is a, a display of her holding Tom Thumb, who was in the circus with her. Uh, and the interesting thing is, in P.T. Barnum's circus, uh, there was a fire. She lived on the third floor with Tom Thumb and, and, and twins that were joined, you know, on the side and all that sort of thing. So she, they were around freaks, but they were not freaks. Uh, 
because she had these music lessons and all that, when you went into the circus, you paid one price to get in, but you paid another price to get into their tent. And then they would lecture. Uh, she would play the piano and sing, and, and he had been a teacher, so he told all kinds of stories about the war and farming, and you know, and he knew all these stories about giants. Uh, here's, here's a couple of pictures just to show you that down here in western Kentucky, here are bones that they found of uh, people that are nine feet tall. So when, when we say that she's the tallest woman that ever lived, that's in recorded history, but this was a long time before that. Yeah, and these people were found, you know, kind of under caves and, mm -hmm. and in mounds and so forth. Yeah, not far away. Land of giants. And this is a, a poster. They're trying to uh, attract people in to see the show. And here she's listed as the largest woman in the world. And that she's from Nova Scotia. And uh, uh, one shilling is what it costs to get in to, to see her part of the show. Uh, they traveled the world, by the way. Once they uh, married, they, went, they made four trips overseas. And... Uh, when they got back, the, the west was opened up. It expanded now to the ocean. And so the trains would be making progress, laying down rail and moving ahead. And they would go to new towns all the time, like Kansas City or San Francisco and, and so forth. And they would be on the train, you know, coming in. And they would set up uh, their, their circus in these new towns and people, you know, didn't know anything about what was happening back east and all that sort of thing. So they just flocked in. They had huge uh, shows, you know, that came to watch these folks. Now, I wanted to tell you about uh, at uh, P.T. Barnum's place, there were two fires. One, the first fire, uh, as I say, she lived on the, with her mother on the third floor. And they had their own bedrooms, but they shared, uh, you know, uh, kitchens and that sort of thing. Uh, community rooms and all that. Well, they had a fire, and they all the 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 opening the the uh, entryway was caught on fire, and everybody had to go upstairs and jump out the third floor window, and they all got out except her. She was too big to get through a normal sized window, so the workmen had to go in with a sledgehammers and knock out a big enough hole for her to crawl through. And then they had to find a, a you know, a tackle uh, thing. And it took 17 men to hold her up and get her down from three flights. So she was a big woman and she was hard to, you know, it was hard for her to get around. Uh, then later on, she took a break from the circus at that point, but later on she went back and then the, the next time the whole thing burned to the ground. So. P.T. Barnum was stuck with paying these people but not having any place for them to watch. So he farmed them out to, to different circuses and uh, that's how they, that's how he and she met. They were booked uh, to go to England and uh, appear together. So two giants, lots of press, lots of things going on. And so as they headed uh, across the ocean, it took 10 days on a 
on a ship and uh, they, they had seen each other one time before and just sort of nodded at each other. But these 10 days, you know, of being held in the same place together, they decided that they were in love. So, uh, you know, there wasn't anybody else like them. There wasn't anybody else for them to size up with. And so uh, they, they liked each other and they decided they would be good to each other. And they decided that they knew more about what, what each other needed than anybody else. So they announced when they got to England that they were going to get married. So they did fall in love. This is, she, she actually produced two children for him. She's the only uh, giantess that ever had children. The first one was a girl that uh, died uh, at, at birth. And the second one was a little boy, and he was about a little less than 30 pounds at birth and, uh, and 27 inches long. And, uh, and uh, he, he lasted about 11 hours, even though they had two doctors there because they lost the first child. They had two doctors there to you know, help pull them through, but they still couldn't, still couldn't pull them through. But now this is in Ohio, and uh, this she's... She's eight feet tall there. That's a uh, statue that he had chiseled in Italy, and it's on a 10-foot high base. And her sister's buried there, the little boy's buried there, and, and he's buried, and he's buried there. And the inscription at the bottom is a biblical verse, and it says, basically it says, you're all I need, you know, when I think of you, that's all I need, that sort of thing. So, and this is uh, in Seville, Ohio, it's about, 40 miles from Lake Erie, and uh, they uh, claim to be the home of the Giants, and uh, they, uh, they used to have an annual festival of the Giants, but if you go into town, the restaurants have these paintings, you know, of both of them inside the restaurants. There's a, there's a, uh, we were, <coughs> excuse me, we went up there at, uh, right around the <coughs> time the World Series got over this year, and went up there to do a uh, fundraiser for the for the museum that's there, and they just treated us uh, like gold. They took us to the cemetery, they took us to the museum, and they took us to the uh, old farm. The farm was 160 acres, and uh, they raised big uh, horses like that, and shorthorn cattle, and uh, they had the house built for their specifications. The ceilings were 14 feet high and the doors were eight and a half feet high. And it was built, they called it the stairway to heaven. There was step, you know, the roof was here and then it would go up like this and it would go up like this and like that. And uh, finally when uh, they died, they had to tear the house down because nobody else could afford to heat it. You know, it was so big, yeah. But the old barn is still there and uh, we just had a wonderful time, you know, visiting uh, there. There's a the festival uh, poster that they put up, uh, they're both there. And then that, this guy was the, the uh, manager of the circus that they, they worked for. And this is the family, the monarchs. And this was uh, telling their life story and posters to you know draw people out and so forth. So what was interesting about when they got married, they, they were on this ship ride for 10 days, as I told you. And uh, 
they uh, arrived in England and uh, they arrived at Liverpool and then they were going to go to London uh, after you know a week or so and uh, when they got off the boat they announced that they had fallen in love and they were going to get married so uh, the the guy that owned the circus knew a good deal when he saw it so he invited in uh, all the press and all the medical people that wanted to come and talk to these folks so the uh, the doctors the medical people would ask him questions get answers and the press sat there and they wrote their stories about them so they got lots of press about these two giants being in England and uh, the one newspaper said that half the people in the country were enamored of them, wanted to know more about them. And one of them was Queen Victoria. She invited them to uh, Buckingham Palace. She sent them a notice, asked them to come three days later. They were invited there three times uh, while they were in England over the years. But they go to see Queen Victoria. And when they get there, she surprises them with gifts. She had uh, watches made for each of them. They were about the size of uh, saucers with diamonds and a six-foot gold chain that for them was not, you know, didn't seem like six feet. But they were worth about $1,000 a piece, and she gave those to them. She also uh, asked them if she could uh, uh, provide the, the, the wedding for them. And they, they agreed, and so she uh, arranged for a big church uh, downtown uh, to host the, the wedding. She even brought one of uh, her countrymen, one of Anna's countrymen, in from Nova Scotia to, uh, to preach the, the wedding. And, uh, and she, she, uh, uh, she gave Anna her, her wedding ring. It was, a, it was a cluster of seven diamonds. Uh, that was her wedding ring. And she paid for uh, having her staff make her dress. So it took 100 yards of uh, linen, white with yellow flowers on it, and another uh, 50 yards of uh, lace for the veil. So she provided all that and uh, other gifts that uh, she gave to them and so forth. And so they ended up getting married in England and then took a short honeymoon to Richmond uh, uh, England and then they came back and then they started you know working for the circus uh, together so they traveled all over Europe and they appeared before kings and queens and princesses and presidents back here in the United States and all that sort of thing so they uh, they lived well as I told you when you saw that suit of clothes that he was wearing at first he was paid, at the, uh, before he got married, he was paid $100 uh, a week by the circus uh, when the average person in the United States was making $112 a year. So he was getting $100 a week. And then she was too. Uh, she started at $36 a week, but she got $100 a month. And then after they'd been around for a while, after they were there for four years with the original circus, they went to another circus. And they got paid $400 each a month. They were getting paid as much as a Confederate general during the war. So they, yeah, and she sent a lot of money home. Uh, I wanted to show you something here, if it's still here. Well, I don't know where it went.
but I've got a picture here I'll show you, uh, right here. This is a picture of her family. This right here, this is her mother at, uh, at her 90th birthday. And you can see the size of the family. This is in rural Nova Scotia. All these people came in for the 90th uh, birthday party. Look at the clothes they're wearing. She sent money home and they got to, yeah, so they could, you know, share the, all the stuff. And you can see here where uh, they were doing roofing work during the, you know, during the time of the party. They got this much done and they had this much, this much to go, yeah. But you can see how much the, the weather in Nova Scotia, you know, weathered that house. Take a look at that if you want to. But that, what I want you to notice most of all is that they're all normal sized people. Oh yeah, yeah, they all made their own clothes. And his, uh, uh, was a little, yeah, I was past that, I think. No, is that the last line? Well, there's, an, there's another one in there someplace, but let me just, uh, yeah, let me just read to you his sizes. See if you'd want to sew these clothes up for him. Okay, he wore a uh, size 20 boot and uh, his shirts were made by the Catskill Company. They were 74 inches long. You know, think about a yard, so they're more than two yards long. Yeah, 96 and a half inches at the waist, 63 inches in the middle of his back, a 25 inch neck and an 18 inch uh, wristband. And each shirt took six yards of muslin one and three quarters yards wide and cost two dollars and fifty cents. And he could he could afford plenty of shirts, yeah. So yeah. Well they they, they lived well. Now here's what uh, here's what I want you to think about. Think about two couple, two people, this one couple, this big, getting along with a circus, a train you know, you know how small those train cars are. Uh, at the at their church in Ohio, they built them a special pew uh, so they could sit up front and, and so forth. But on that train, they were, where did they sit? Where did they sleep? You know, where did they go to the bathroom? <laughs> you know, what did they eat? All, I wonder about all these things because it had to be really ridiculously hard on them to get around. And uh, she ended up, uh, she had a respiratory illness and she ended up dying when she was one day short of 42. And then he lived to be 82. So he went from 1837 to the start of World War I. So he spent a lot of time without her. But the whole story, the whole thing is that it's a love story. And, and what I say is, you know, there's somebody for everybody. You just haven't found your giant yet. <laughs> Don't quit looking, you know. <laughs> okay, well, let, let me uh, see if you got any questions. No, not just you. Oh. You said her second child that actually lived for a little while. 11 hours, yeah, the little boy. 30 pounds. Uh, and he was 40? Let me, I'll give you the exact, uh, 
Oh. 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 They were they were big. They were the babies were born as they were normally they were as big as uh, six month old babies I think. Uh, let me see if I can find it real quick here. Okay, during the second year of their marriage, uh, she delivered a baby girl who was 27 inches long and weighed 18 pounds. And wow. then a few years later. Um, she delivered a second child. He only lived 11 hours, despite two doctors being in attendance. He weighed uh, 23 and one fourth pounds and was 28 inches long. So does it elaborate on why they weren't viable, I guess? Just... Uh, no, no one knows. As I say, they're, uh, they're the only, she's the only giantess that ever gave birth. So there hasn't been a big you know, study there's there's no there aren't living kids to compare them to, yeah. but uh, uh, they're not the only giants that you know we've had in Kentucky. Uh, Jim Porter was that his name? The Porter Steakhouse in Louisville. He was here in Owensboro, lived along the river, and he went to work for. Uh, P.T. Barnum for a, a few years and didn't like it, but he came back and he ran a a bar along the river. I mean, no one in Henry's family ever told me that he was that big. They talked about Jim Porter's place. He was 7'2 or 7'3, something like that. But here's the interesting thing about him. When he was young, when he was as young as this fellow back here, he was a jockey. He was tiny. So he could ride those horses and the races and all that. It wasn't until later in life that he started growing. And so he was working at a, at a bar, somebody else's bar, and he would come in on Saturdays and they would make wagers from one Saturday to the next Saturday to see how much he was, you know, how much he had gained, how much he had grown in a week. And they would, you know, make money and lose money on it, you know, like that. Oh, he's, uh, these are interesting characters, really interesting characters. And, uh, you know, what I say is in uh, Greenville, Tennessee, near Greenville, they've got uh, where Davy Crockett was born. If you go up to St. Paul, you know, you've got the uh, uh, Babe and the Blue Ox. Six, six statues of a made-up character. Davy Crockett's got statues. These people were really interesting for their times. We ought to have, you know, more statues and we ought to have more recognition of them uh, just, just because it is a love story. Yeah. It gives hope to a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, the, just living their daily lives would have been difficult. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. And then after she died, uh, he got to getting older and uh, he would carry a big walking stick and uh, he'd go to town in Ohio, a Yankee state, he would go in his Confederate uniform and the kids would pick on him, things like that, and he'd just take that thing and swat him with it. One time he had a carpenter in his house doing some work for him and they got mad, that they got uh, discussing the price and all that sort of thing and uh, he took a swipe at the carpenter, he jumped up over it and uh, grabbed his uh, 
foot when he went by. So here he was on one foot, and he was, the carpenter was holding him up, and he was too he was afraid to let him down because <laughs> he'd beat him up, you know. So uh, he had, he had a temper, but you know he fought through the war and all that kind of thing. So he was caught during the war and sent to prison or war camp and uh, up around Columbus, and uh, and uh, because he had ingratiated himself with the uh, a Yankee uh, officer. He got out after 33 days on the promise that he'd come home and fight no more. Of course, as soon as he got home, he picked up arms and they and went back at it again. So, you know, but uh, he, uh, after the war was over, he didn't know what he was going to do. Went back to the farm and after four years of war, the North and the South had been over it and crisscrossed it and there wasn't anything left. And he said, I might as well not stay here because I'll, you know, I'll leave the food for the, the women and the children. So he and the, one of his officers took off for Louisville. And during, during the war, when he was captured and sent to uh, Camp uh, Chase in Ohio, uh, the, the, the Yankees said that he was as uh, big as five men and fought like 50. And so when they captured him, they didn't know what to do with him. They put a rope around his neck, they put a bayonet in his side, and dared him to move as they moved him up uh, river toward the Louisa, Kentucky, to go on up there. So people were awed by him, but they were afraid of him. And uh, so his commanding officer uh, noticed this, and he said, I've got a way we can make some money. So we'll go to my hometown of Louisville, and they went down on Fifth Street, and the, the, the officer would go in and he would start talking about how big he knew people to be and that sort of thing. And he'd get somebody to bet with him. And then after he got him to bet, then the giant would come in and they'd collect the money and they kept doing that. And they would probably kept doing that for as long as uh, they could. But uh, the officer got drunk, walked in front of a horse and uh, two, you know, six horse uh, wagon and just got trampled to death. So that's when he decided to go to Cincinnati and join the circus. So. But if he wasn't anything else, he was able to figure out how to survive better than the other folks. He was cunning. He was smart. You know, he'd been a teacher for seven years. So, interesting, just an interesting character. 